Welcome to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about how to plan and execute an unforgettable event that will dazzle your guests and generate more income for your organization. From fundraising and securing trendy auction items to event production and logistics, get the best tips and advice from seasoned fundraising and event professionals who have been in your shoes. Welcome back to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we try to discuss ways that you can make your next fundraising event better. We've got a special guest, not in the studio today, but online, and I'm pleased to introduce Hannah Berger. Hannah, go ahead and say hello and give us a little bit of background for our audience. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Jess. My name is Hannah Berger. I am the president and founder of The Philanthropy Coach. We are a boutique consulting firm based out of Southern California providing nonprofit management and fundraising consulting services for small to mid-sized nonprofit organizations. That's everyone from getting started in their first days to operating budgets of $20 million annually. And we specialize in sort of three key areas. That is major campaign consulting, is board training and retreat facilitation, and what we call empowerment coaching, which is one-on-one coaching for any sort of nonprofit leader. Awesome. And I am joined here by the awesome Kristen Wheeler. Yeah, I am awesome. You are time. awesome <laughs> for a lot of reasons. One of them, because this podcast doesn't operate without her. But other, uh, the other major reason is, is Kristen has a lot of experience in donor development events as well. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it all from, like Hannah said, the first campaign, the first event, all the way to multi-million dollar high-end donors and major givers. And Hannah, you were talking about, before we hit record, you were kind of talking about sort of that wealth management and getting wealth data on on your donors. And I remember way back in the day before all of these tools and resources were available to us, we were like on Zillow. Like, what's the value of their house? When did they purchase their house? <laughs> yeah. it, okay, so that gives us that gives us a clue. So right. the amount of stocking that that a, a development person in the nonprofit space is willing to do is is just phenomenal. Right. And and Hannah said she specializes in helping small to mid sized nonprofits that go up to twenty million. If you're not doing twenty million, don't be discouraged. Right. You'll get there one day. We we promise you, especially if you listen to Hana. I actually had the privilege of meeting Hana. I was on the board at the Foundation for Predatory Research, and Hana came in as our director of de- development and brought in just a wealth of experience. And I just remember for us as a, I would say, a young organization still trying to learn a lot of things, it was nice to have another opinion because, as I've mentioned to Kristen before, who worked at JDRF, in the very beginning, we would always be like, I don't know how to do that. Well, what does JDRF do? Oh, they do it that way? Let's do it that way too, right? right? And then we brought Hannah in, and she started saying, well, you know, we could do it this way instead, or we could add this, or we could do that. And we did. We definitely had – the first thing I want – you know, we – I do want to talk about is the concept of of where you go when you're a very young nonprofit to finally adding in that director of development mm-hmm. and and how you start to expand your fundraising beyond events. Because when we started at PWR, that is all we did was right. run events because that's all we knew how to do was run a walk or a party. So, Hannah, just love your perspective a little bit on uh, where events kind of play a role because obviously mm-hmm. this is the Elevate Your Event podcast. So. Our audience is running them, but 
I just I got to the point where I just kind of felt like people felt it was like an either or. Like I, I, I take events and then I evolve out of that and then I go get grants or gifts or something else. So what are your thoughts on that in terms of where events lie and, and do they do they stay? Do you evolve out of them or do they just become part of the mix or what? Yeah, I think events are a healthy component of a healthy development program, right? So human beings are social primates. We need to be around each other. Connection is key, and everybody loves a good party, right? Now, how you use events in your development program is really the question, because I'm a firm believer that you should have fundraising events and be very specific that they are fundraising events, and you monetize absolutely everything that happens at that event. And you have stewardship events Mm -hmm. where you invite folks and you tell them, we will not be raising money tonight. This is just to say thank you and to educate you about what we've done with your investments to date, right? But Whenever folks are like, we really want to stop doing the events, my question is really, let's talk about what's not working, right? Is it that you're using up considerable staff time because you're using really old technology or none at all? Is it that you're not raising very much because you haven't done a great job of, you know, monetizing the event itself and making sure there's lots of different ways that people can give? So when I'm working with clients and they're like, we want to eliminate our gala and replace the, you know, $300,000 we bring in with individual philanthropy, I'm like, great, we should all be focused on, you know, diversifying our revenue streams, but eliminating events altogether, I'm absolutely opposed to. I think they're really important. I think that makes sense. And, you know, I think we talk about events being there to kind of raise awareness and to connect with mm-hmm. not just your existing donors, but but potentially new ones, right? These absolutely. could be guests of people coming in the door. And I think you, you raised something I, I want to make sure we really kind of dive into a little bit is what are you doing with that information? So mm-hmm. if you're if the purpose of your fundraising event is to really kind of reach out to a new audience or kind of expand your donor base by having your donors or supporters bring their friends, yeah. what are you doing with that on the other side of that? Do you work with your clients on that? Oh, absolutely. Right. It's events can't just be about the transactions that happen night of or even the sponsorships that come in because of the event. They have to be about the relationships, the relationships that you're creating or deepening through the event, right? So we look at, you know, who are our core network? That could be your board of directors. It's like guests that are there every year. It's your very close friends and family of the organization that are always going to show up. Who are they bringing and how are we going to specifically engage those people? So prior to every major event, I always encourage my clients to take you know, put into their event planning timeline a day where they sit with their staff, if they have a development team, their staff, programs and administration and operations, anybody who can be a part of the event and assign people roles, folks that when they come through the door, they're there to host, right? It's like, this is our house and we want everybody to have an incredible time. So we're going to host them like we are in our home and really kind of giving everybody a short list of people they're required to meet, things that they might, might want to talk about with those people, right? And that means we have to know something about their network, their interests, what they do for a living. I was chief development officer of an organization that had a really successful annual gala. And when I came on board and told the board members they were now going to have responsibilities acting as ambassadors for the new friends we would have in the room, I received some pushback from the, the board chair. Her argument was, I'm already bringing, you know, two tables, 20 guests that I need to host. How am I going to accommodate them and these new people? 
to which I responded, what a great opportunity to connect your friends with new friends, right? Like this, we're all one big happy family. So it's, it looks like, you know, you in the middle of a conversation with one of your dear friends, you spot the person that you're looking for that's on your list for the night and you engage them in the conversation you're having. It looks like me as your head of development, spotting you across the room and saying, oh, here's, you know, Mr. Johnson that I really wanted you to meet. This is our board president. And you just allowing that conversation to happen. So kind of walking my board members through like what that might feel and look like was a way to get them to understand how you kind of create that magic of bringing our new friends in with the old ones and making sure that everybody feels really well taken care of. Sure. Do you give your board members any sort of coaching on what to say or elevator pitches or any of that kind of stuff? Or has that already kind of happened? Yeah, no, that's one of the first things I like to do with boards, both the ones that I've previously staffed and the ones that I work with as clients. We kind of make this assumption that our board members are, because they're experts that we've recruited to, you know, our governing body, that they're experts in all things and including nonprofit fundraising and including talking about the organization in a way that feels really natural and educational and expert. And that's just a really unfair assumption to make. People lead really busy lives. And when you are there as a volunteer leader, you're not steeped in the day-to-day, right? You probably have your perspective on the organization, your why for getting involved, what connects you to the mission. But if you're never asked to articulate that back to folks, you know, at the drop of a dime, it can be a really uncomfortable experience. So I call it perfecting your pitch. I come in and I work with boards. We, you know, put together, we walk through a really simple worksheet about why I got involved. What's my personal connection? What's the mission of the organization in my own words? What's something that really excites me about what the, the organization is doing now, the impact it is having on the population we serve? And how can you, the new person I'm speaking to, get involved? Write a simple call to action. And then we literally go around the room and have everybody kind of present their pitch for critical feedback from their peers. And just building that muscle memory is tremendously helpful, right? I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to give your board members a little more comfort being willing to maybe have these talks, you know, with people at an event where they feel like they've been coached a little. At least it would for me. Right. Not yeah. not that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily know what to say, but just getting some some good talking points or tips or whatever, especially if you're also providing that about the people that I'm supposed to be talking to. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. And look, I'll, I'll even say me a couple at my own events. I don't think we do enough of this either. You know, we have really high end supportive donors coming to our events. And I think it yeah. is important to reach out to them and have a conversation with them. Beyond just the person that invited them. So I love that idea. I think you know, at an event, if you really are trying to connect the pieces together, like all the different areas of fundraising, this is one key way to do that, right? Is to get those people coming in the door engaged with your board and some of your other folks, right? Absolutely. Hey, so just want to let you know this event is brought to you by Handbit. Handbit is mobile bidding and auction technology software built by fundraisers for fundraisers. So we're able to help you guys with everything from ticketing and registration to mobile bidding to live auction recording, appeals, you name it. And the nice thing is, is in addition to the software that we're able to provide, 
We have a ton of services we can offer you. If you need help getting everything set up, if you need coaching, if you need just counseling and advice on how to get through your event, if you need someone to show up and make sure that it runs smoothly, these are all the types of services that we offer. So if you want more information about what we do, click on the link below or reach out to us at handbid.com and we'd be happy to talk to you. Love that. So Hannah, when you talk about deepening relationships at the event, in introducing people to board members, introducing new friends, making new friends, and then kind of those key talking points and deep discussions. What are some other ways that you can deepen that relationship at your event with key donors? Yeah, assuming it's a fundraising event, you want to make sure that there's a lot of opportunities that are that are fun and engaging and that people can you know, make a donation at all levels. So everything from your silent auction to your live auction paddle raise to, I was at an event recently where they played heads or tails. Are you familiar with this? They sold wristbands. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. This is the first time I'd ever been in an event where they did it. And I, it was a really fun way to kick things off. So fun. Yeah, and, you know, folks were spending $40 for two wristbands and I gave them two shots at the game and, you know, everybody's got their hands on the head or on their tails and, it was just a silly way to kick things off. And it raised, you know, a couple thousand dollars. It was great. And I think probably everybody in the room, and it was an event of 400 people, ended up making some kind of contribution. Now, I know you're probably going to get to this, but the event should be seen as an engagement point. They cannot be the entire donor relationship, right? So while I don't produce events in my consulting practice, when I'm working with my clients on their full development program or major campaign, I say to them, okay, so what's the intention of this event beyond money? How are we going to leverage the data that we have now that we've got new people in the mix? How do we follow up with them? What kind of outreach follows this event? And by the way, outreach should be quick, right? I was at an event, not naming names, on Friday. I'm now a new donor of that organization. And it's Tuesday and I've not seen any kind of post-event email yet, not even a general thank you. And to me, that's, that's like, that's not good, right? My expectation is really like next day. And it could be as simple as like a brief event recap, a thank you from the executive director, a lovely note from one of the clients that the organization serves, right? And, and a picture. It doesn't have to be like a super detailed report or even like a fundraising total, but some kind of touch point that says, hey, you are here, you're in our community now, and we're so glad, right? Because that leads into all the future communication that we want to create so that we can engage that person and build a relationship, not just an opportunity for transactions once a year at an event. And that can be something you'd front load and do ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Sure. Even if you did want to add a fundraising total, all you have to do is plug in the, the generic total or one key factor about the event. But you can have all of this done beforehand. So you I just agree. upload the email addresses and click send. Because no, you know, I'm, I'm hearing the voices of our listeners in their cars right now going, yeah, I'm too tired the day after the right. event to send a bunch <laughs> of thank yous. Well, I'm no. on a plane to Cabo yeah. the day after my event. Yeah. So these are all things that you can be thinking about as part of your planning process. I think that's smart. I mean, you could absolutely pre-write this. You could even have chat GPT write it. Well, that's another podcast. We'll have to talk about that. (laughs) Um, But 
But either way, I think that's absolutely smart. And it goes back to what I loved. I loved your question. What is the purpose of the event beyond money? Mm -hmm. And we have this conversation a lot. And you also mentioned something I think is also really important is, are you giving all of your attendees a variety of ways to engage with you at the event? So what does that mean? That means auction, live auction, heads or tails game, which is a total, mm -hmm. that is totally fun. You know, it could be a, a wine pool or it could be a paddle a raise, pool. but it's, mm -hmm. you got to have a combination of those things because everybody is going to want to engage in a variety of different ways. And so the folks that come to us that are like, we're just doing a paddle race. Okay, that's fine. You can do that. But if somebody comes to the event for the first time ever and has never, you know, maybe they're a guest of somebody, they're, maybe they're willing to donate 100 bucks to cover their meal. Maybe they're not. They probably would bid in the auction. And mm -hmm. that affords you the ability to get their email address and their phone number. And what do you get to do with that? Well, that's the part that I think sometimes gets missed, to your point. So, yes, I send that follow-up email. But what else are you doing? And it's, it should be an entry point or a starting point to a relationship, right. I would say. Do you agree? Or Absolutely. Yeah. Well, when yeah. you talk about leveraging that data that you get at, your, at, at the event, what are some ways that fundraisers should be leveraging that data from the guests at their events? Yeah. Yeah. This question comes up too, right? I mean, to us a lot. Do you integrate with our CRM? Do you integrate with Salesforce? Do you integrate with Bloomerang? Do you integrate with Kindful? The, you know, the answer is always yes, but mm -hmm. yes, but what are you actually going to do with it? Because I'm actually really curious, right? I mean, I know your finance team wants to load the transactions in, but I'm really more worried about your development team. What are they going to do with the attendee information? You know, beyond just what they spent, I, as a donor per development person, would want to know who arrived, who checked in, what they bid on, mm -hmm. right? what they did at the event, what maybe what they didn't do. Maybe they didn't win anything, but maybe they bid on 20 items and lost them all. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It's what, do so you, what do you talk to your clients about as it relates to that? I, I initially ask a lot of questions that they can't answer because they've not been thinking about what you just laid out. Like in a lot of folks' mind, they're like, why would I care about what they bid on? If, especially if they didn't win the item. And I'm like, because it tells you what they care about what their interests are. Um, and it gives you something to discuss, right? Especially if they won the item, because then you can call them and say, I'm so excited for you to take this trip to Cabo. Let's get, make sure your details are all set. Who are you planning on taking with you? Oh, it's the family. Tell me about your kids, right? It leads to so many other relationship building talking points. So yes, to your point, folks are usually very concerned about getting the data into the database and God bless them because it's even worse if you're just not capturing anything, right? right? But what do you do with that information afterwards? You have to actually pull reports out of your system and look at your donor behavior beyond just attending the event, beyond the total dollar amount they spent. You want to look at, in particular, I'd say one of the most important things that I see my clients not putting into practice until we work with them is tracking relationships. So you know that you know, donor A brought a table full of people. You've got all of their names and email addresses. Have you linked them within your system to know that they are her, you know, her or his contacts that they've brought in? What's the relationship they have? Are they professional colleagues? Are they family? Are they friends? You know, you want to, you really want to know like the life stories of the donors that you're building relationships with. It's vitally important. 
some like tactical ways that you would use this data afterwards. I love, especially if they're brand new organization, to create a really simple, simple new donor welcome packet. This can be a digital, to your point, Kristen, preconceived sitting in your MailChimp or Constant Contact or whatever system you use for email marketing that you just add your new folks to and it goes out to them and it says, thank you for much, so much for joining our community. Here's what your contribution will help fund in the coming year. And here are three different ways that you can get involved now. Volunteering, serving as a mentor, you know, whatever the opportunities might be. It's just kind of a way to make sure that, you know, we're not making any assumptions about the knowledge that our new friends have of our organization, the way we operate and the work that we do, right? Because there's so much to learn generally with every organization. You want to make sure that you're kind of guiding, you know, your donors through the experience of getting to know you. I think that's powerful and important, you know, because it does, it creates so much more of a reason to to not just host an event, but to set it up in a certain way and to capture certain amounts of information. Yeah. And it's really hard to do what you're describing if you don't. And, you know, and we have a number of people who I don't think value the information that you can get and the relationships you can start over what they consider to be more of a guest experience. I don't want mm. anybody walking in the door to have to tell me their email address or their phone number or their name. I just want them to grab their you know, paddle number and sit down and, or I don't want you to require an email address. And I get it. Like, I mean, you're trying to create an experience where your donors feel like, you know, they're, they're not being burdened when they walk in the door, but at the same time, I mean, the part, the part of the event that's so important is that you get this information so that you can build a relationship with them. So do you have any clients who come to you and they're like, no, I don't want to collect this kind of information at an event from anybody coming in the mm -hmm. door? So at this point in my career, after having done this work for more than two decades, I'm pretty direct with my communication. So when I have clients that push back on that front, I say, well, then you really don't have an interest in creating a sustainable fundraising program. Period. You, I think you, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just how else will you be in touch? I mean, even if you could, you, I mean, if you're not willing to ask for an email address and a phone number, you're probably not going to ask for a mailing address. You're probably not going to send snail mail. I mean, people tend to throw that away these days anyway. It's just a requirement. It's it's not asking them for private information. We use email addresses as an identifier for absolutely everything now. So, And a lot of your donors, especially the more sophisticated ones, they will have an expectation that you know how to reach them. Yes. Yes. And they will be disappointed when you don't. Donors are... <laughs> right. Well, and, and that leads into a story that I have about donating to an organization, not because I was necessarily connected to it, but I had a colleague who was being honored and I made a donation and it was big for me. It wasn't $10,000, but it was a large amount for me to give to an organization that I had no prior connection to. And I really wanted to see, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and let's see what they do with it. Right. So right. I expected I didn't expect a, a pomp and circumstance, but I expected a thank you or here's what we've done with the money that you donated. Mm -hmm. And instead I got, can you give us more? Right. Is what the letter is what right. the letter said. So not only did I expect a communication, 
But I think that there are people out there, and it's it's sometimes hard to tell who, but there are people out there who are dipping their toe in the water with you, and they want to see how you steward that and what you do with it. And I don't think it really takes much. You know, that's not to say that you have to chase after every $250 donation or $500 donation as if it could be a million-dollar donation. But do you have those processes in place to to have a touch point with them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Similar story I heard recently from a board member of one of my new clients. This person recently moved to the Coachella Valley, it's the Palm Springs area in California, for those who aren't familiar, out of the San Francisco Bay Area, tech background, sold his company, extremely wealthy individual looking to get involved philanthropically in his new community, sent $1,000 to a number of organizations via their websites and is now deeply involved with the two that responded to him with what you just described, Kristen, you know, information about what they do, how the donation will be used, and an invitation to engage deeper, take a tour, you know, come to an education session, whatever they might have been. If they showed up in that way, he showed up literally. And now he's, you know, a six-figure donor at both places and serving on the board of directors of one. And you never know who's in your mix unless you're paying attention and you've got some processes in place that are going to help you, you know, triage relationship management and identify ways that, you know, you've got to go to your donors and engage them and offer them engagement. But then their response, you know, that's everything. That's you got to get the ball rolling somewhere. And I think the other thing that I think is important to know is as you're describing this follow up, <laughs> it's not always critical. That I think most of our clients are thinking, I got my 20 or 30 minute program at my event where I have to get all that out. And I've got to, you know, explain everything that's going on. I have to do my ask. And sure, you can do all of those things, but that doesn't eliminate the need for you to do this follow up. Oh, yeah. Where you can have a more intimate conversation. So I think, you know, when we've, I've been on certain boards before, I won't name them, but it's like, hey, we, what are we doing? And I'll talk to the staff. What are we doing to follow up with the people that came? Well, we told them everything at the event. Well, yes, thank you for telling them everything at the event. Half of them were drunk. The other half weren't paying attention. It is really important that we follow up with the people that did engage with us there, especially the new folks. Because we captured emails at the door and we captured phone numbers. So anyway, I just want to make that point also because I think sometimes people feel like it isn't it isn't as important and we see that it is. Yeah. I mean, you've got your story. How do you told yours about how people on that back end of that, the guy who maybe he went to these events, maybe he just found these charities online. Either way, the ones that connected with him one-on-one -on -one were the ones that built the relationship with him and he is now financially supporting them in a meaningful way. And that's right. That's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what, what you were just saying, Jeff, I wanted to make a note that you don't have to recreate the wheel, right? You put together a great program, a wonderful script, probably a really cool video. Reuse those materials in your follow-up, right? Take a portion of the script, put it in an email, yeah. attach the video that you showed at the event that, to your point, people are probably a little too tipsy to have really experienced the whole thing. Let them see it again. You know, it's sometimes I think when it comes to the marketing piece of the puzzle, organizations overthink it and they think we've got to create new content every time. 
And really, we're living in this world now where we're inundated with messages and images and video even. And we have to see things like there's an actual statistic that I'm not even going to attempt to quote. But I, I believe it's like you've got to see the same piece of information at least three times for it to stick. So the point being, repurpose the great stuff you put together for your event in your email marketing throughout the year. I think that yeah. sounds that's smart. Yeah. I mean, as a marketer, I could go on and on about that. You can take your one two-minute appeal video and turn that into 10 or 15 different outreaches or pieces of content, as as we call it. I know. This is where she's going to start email. talking about Snapchat <laughs> and TikTok. Not quite, but... But like Hannah said, you, you can turn that, you can put that in front of people multiple times and it will still have meaning and impact. Right. And I watched, I mean, honestly, and it's not even my kids. Like I watch people, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I do watch people in their 20s and 30s on their phones and they are consuming content so fast. Yes. So fast. To your point, how, ma imagine like you're going through your Instagram reels and it's like just that 15 or 20 second you know, same type of video that came from the same charity just went to their event. I love that. I think that's cool. And why are they following you? Because you connected with them after the event. Mm -hmm. right, so we're running out of time uh, in this event. This has been awesome. We've talked about a lot of really good things, but I think ultimately when our clients are talking to us about where do events fall in our overall fundraising portfolio, it's not an either or. That's what we talked mm -hmm. about, right? Yep. It is, it is one way to, it's an entry point for starting a relationship with people that are new to your organization. It's another way to reconnect with people that maybe haven't, you know, you haven't done a great job of connecting with over the years. It's another way for your best supporters to bring their friends and kind of expand, you know, their ability to support you. It's a great way to collect this information. And <clears throat> we did talk about the importance of making sure that you are gathering people's information at the door the way you do that is you encourage couples to bid in an auction or you encourage them to get registered. So for those of you out there are are trying to discourage that because you think it's just going to burden your donors or if you think your donors are too important to give their email address or they're too, you know, I, and we've seen this complaint too, they're too wealthy or they're too, you know, famous and they're just not going to do it. I have checked in plenty of famous people, especially in LA. They will give you their email address. Yeah. Mm -hmm. because they also realize that this is, they want to stay connected. They want the receipt, obviously, yes. but at the same time, they expect you to do these things. And I think it does help. And Hannah, you know, the, the stuff that you've shared about what you do with that information on the back end of that, I think it's just been really rich. Great. Great. I'm glad to so hear it. And do you have you any do final thoughts or, or advice for our guests and our Go ahead and, and you, we're going to let you have the last word in this, in this podcast. Ooh, no pressure. I do want to say one thing that we've done actually using Handbid is offer what we called internally white glove service. So to your point, the folks who are super high capacity or considered, you know, honorees VIPs, if you're doing like a, a classic gala situation or your major sponsors, calling them before the event to get that information for all of their guests and saying to them, we're doing this for you because we want to make sure that you've got a very smooth entry into the event and you won't have to go through the registration process on site, right? So there are ways to do this that make people feel even more important. But yes, we got to get that information. If you fail to get the information on your event guests and attendees and donors, 
I don't really know what, you, what you're doing, right? It's really about building a sustainable development program, a community of relationships. And always ask yourself, what is the point of this event? What is our intention here beyond just raising money? I think that's the most important place to start. Is it education? Is it enrichment of existing relationships? Is it an entry point for brand new folks? Is it, you know, I call it friend raising. What is it we're trying to accomplish here beyond just our dollar goal? Hannah, how can people connect with you? Where, where can they find you if they're interested in employing your services? Great. Thank you. Our website is thephilanthropycoach.com. You can learn more about our consulting practice there. I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn. Hannah Berger is the LinkedIn handle. That's H-A-N-N-H-B-E-R-G-E-R. And I'm on Instagram at Hannah Hearts Philanthropy. I love it. I'm going to give a strong plug for Hannah. I've worked with her. I think she's got just not just a breadth of experience, but just, I think, just a world of knowledge about how to take a charity like like we had at FPWR and just taking it to the next level. I mean, when I started at FPWR, I think we were raising 50 grand a year, right? And I left 11 years later and Hannah was there for the last several years of that. And we were raising three or four million a year. So mm -hmm. it's a significant increase. So I do encourage you guys to think about how do you create a sustainable development program it's a variety of ways and a variety of channels of fundraising, but has events as one component of them. So, Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I think our, our listeners absolutely appreciate it. I do, again, encourage you guys to reach out to Hannah if you're looking for this expertise. I assume, I, I know you're in Southern California. Do you have clients in other states as well? I do. I do. Not every state yet, but yeah, we, we kind of cover the Western U.S., okay. a couple of folks in Texas. So, yeah. All right. Love it. Okay. Thank you guys for listening in today to the Elevate Your Ven podcast. We appreciate you guys being listeners. We encourage you to give us a review, share this podcast with your friends or anybody else that you think would benefit from learning about how to run a better fundraising event. Until next time, best of luck in your fundraising efforts.